It is indeed our final installation, our final chapter, the end game of all of our end game conversation with me, Christian Blatt, having some shorter conversations with a few of our different friends, our Blackcast friends from over the years. Uh, first up, I'm going to speak with Jennifer Yard, a great friend and fan of the Blackcast. And then Christian Toto of Hollywood and Toto. And then finally, we will talk to comic book artist and fan extraordinaire Jeff Winstead, who actually sat next to me for my third viewing of Avengers Endgame. But let's start today's conversation with our friend Jennifer Yard. Jennifer, welcome back to the Blackcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to talk about... Uh... The end game. Yeah, and you've uh, this is like the third time in uh, like a, a month and a half, or like the last two months. You this is the third time you've been on, so we uh, appreciate you taking the time. Uh, but before we dive into the end game, uh, did you go to a, a little comedy show last night? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> what? Who did you see, and how did you enjoy it? I might have seen the Mr. Dennis Miller Emmy Award winning. Uh, HBO show having, you know, former NFL announcer. Sure, person. and also yeah. the host of the Dennis Miller Option on Westwood One, oh, posting Dennis. on Tuesdays exactly. and Thursdays. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Westwood One Podcast app. You know, just putting it out there. Uh, and uh, did you had you ever seen him perform live before? I had not, but my mom had seen him several years ago in Vegas with Bill okay. O'Reilly. Oh, great. And so she was she was super excited, and I was excited because I've always wanted to see him perform, and this was really the first opportunity. And let's say he was up there 90 minutes probably. Oh, and wow. It, All right. That yeah. sometimes... Yeah. Sometimes the contract calls for more time, and yeah. uh, you know what that means, though? That means more money for him, so good for Dennis. Uh, and right. uh, I made sure that you could say hello afterwards, right? Oh, man, you did. You hooked us up, and there were only four of us, so we really got some nice one-on-one -on -one time with them, and, and maybe a photo. Yes, a photo that will be circulating uh, in conjunction <laughs> with this episode that uh, I think people will enjoy seeing. Thank you for uh, doing that. All right. With, oh, awesome. Go ahead. Yeah. No, absolutely. It was my pleasure, and to see the look on his face, yeah. When 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 you, when, when you well, we'll just say when you got out the black cat yeah. shirt, he thought that was funny. That oh man, yeah, he loved it. It was great. <laughs> uh, all right, well, let's talk about the issue at hand, uh, which is of sure. course Endgame. We uh, continue to talk about it here in the Blackcast. So we're 
pretty much devoting the month of May to it, it seems. But uh, what are some of your just overall reactions that you had in the moment? And we've talked about how this is a movie that kind of stays with you. You get to think about it a lot, uh, especially after the second time I saw it. I continued to think about it. Uh, Just some of the big overall thoughts about this movie. Um, One, the storytelling was amazing. The cinematography was spectacular. Um, Rip Cap's beard. Um, I, that, yeah. And I oh, was, yeah. I no, was, no. That, that was uh, one of the early casualties in the movie was Cap's beard. Oh, Cap's beard. It's so unfortunate. But um, it served the purpose of the story and it, you know, and it was actually turned out to be fine. But um, there were some happy endings. There were some sad endings. I cried a little. Um you know, I, I really, I was prepared for Cap himself to die, not just his beard. I was, you know, prepared since last movie and um, glad. And we're in spoilers, right? Yeah. No, no. Everybody knows at this okay. point Everybody's that we're, no, no. It's always yeah. good to check though, because you don't, you don't, you don't want to run the risk of being that person. But yeah, we're, <laughs> we're well in the spoiler zone. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. So um, I was glad to see he got his happy ending and how it related back to the Scarlet Witch um, in, uh, what was it, Ultron? with, uh, you know, everybody kind of predicted their own futures. Um, I was also interested in how they're going to do Guardians of the Galaxy next. Well, I mean, I I was asked this uh, online, and I'm like, well, clearly they're going to do it with Thor. And the person who asked me was like, oh, but isn't he such a big personality that will overshadow everyone? I'm like, no, he's the perfect complement to that cast of characters. So, yeah, going forward, uh, that movie's only going to be better than uh, well, we thought it would be. Well, and thankfully they brought James Gunn back. I understood why everything happened sure, the way it yeah. did, and I, and I appreciated Disney's decision. I, you know, I'm, None of that was easy for anybody involved, I'm sure. Um, but I'm very glad that they brought him back because honestly guardians of the galaxy it's, it's much like ant-man neither of those movies are anything without the directors there's so much of their personality in it right. you know not just the actors but the directors but back to Endgame. yeah um well yeah uh, let me let me yeah. just interject for a second because you're talking about yeah. like being prepared for cap to die yeah. and i thought that's where that it made sense to me that that's where the story was going to go i think that my expectation uh into this episode was or in this installment this movie was that all the original avengers were going to die because mostly right. for a practical reason that they were going to move on to other characters so right. i was prepared for everyone to die didn't really think about it uh i love the ending that we got with Steve and I've talked a lot about it as we've talked about this movie, but what were your thoughts for Steve's arc and Tony's arc? We'll just start with the two of those right now. Um, Well, I, I, I liked the the time, the timey wimey thing was, you know, time heist. It it was fine and it served its purpose, but it was pretty much a dead giveaway when cap and Tony went back to the 1970s that Tony was going to die because he saw his dad. Mm-hmm. You know, and got to tell his dad about his daughter. Um, and then when Steve looked at Peggy, and I I wrote a friend that day, at, the next day, I was like, man, if only somebody looked at me the way Cap looks at Peggy. She's like, that's acting. I was like, I know, but it's a nice little fantasy. Yeah, no, <laughs> that exactly. Long, that long look that he had in the, in the 1970s, and you could kind of see the wheels start turning. He's like, okay, so we're going we're gonna to get the more stuff from Hank Pym. He's like, and then when he volunteered to go back and change things, I'm like, okay, okay. And he got to say goodbye to Tony too, and take care of all that. I, I, I thought 
I thought the Iron Man end was the best way you could have treated that. You know, he did it on his own terms and he was able to say goodbye and Pepper was there, which was nice to see her in the costume um, and and get to say goodbye to everybody. I I think they handled it pretty well. Yeah, I think like from a practical standpoint, this was going to be Robert Downey Jr.'s last movie. Just, you know, there there wasn't going to be another contract. There wasn't going to be more money sent his way. But from a storytelling standpoint, you know, we talked about this uh, in an earlier installment is the seeing the growth of that character to being somebody that can make that kind of ultimate sacrifice is right. a great arc. It's the one that makes sense. Cap's right. arc of, you know what? He finally gets that dance and right. you can worry about pocket universes and time travels right. and paradox. You worry about all that. What the key is, is that Cap is happy, you know? Right. And I did not see us getting that for, for Steve. No, I didn't. I didn't either. It was surprising. It was a nice little twist. Um, and, and I was glad it was with Peggy and I was also glad when his last interaction with Falcon, you know, as he handed over the shield, when he said, are you going to tell me about it? And he, nope. Yeah. I thought that <laughs> yeah. was great. He's like, no, I don't, yeah. I don't think I will. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. And, um, I also like the fact that they were able to keep their current time of five years after, um, infinity war. And so Robert Downey Jr. was able to save his daughter, which wasn't Morgan a boy, but yeah, um, well, um, my, com- my, my, my sister, uh, when she was born, her name was Morgan. So uh, right. it, it, it is one of those. Uh, and actually growing up, she was friends with a boy named Morgan. So it, it is one okay. of those names. There's a short list of those, but that's, that's definitely well, one of them. I, but I thought in the comics, Morgan was, yeah, well, there's, yeah. you don't want to go by the comics too much because uh, of, uh, uh, you know, if you dig deep, there's, there's all sorts of, uh, problems there, but yeah. And I thought that, uh, she was great. I've talked about how great that actress was and just some of the uh, emotions tied to it. It is interesting in the face of making that kind of sacrifice. Uh, Tony still selfishly insists that his, his daughter can't be wiped out of existence. A lot of times stories like this get told if you're going to change something in the timeline, it's going to undo Tony's present, you know, which is the point you're traveling back from this notion yeah. that, you know, uh, he has, he settled down with Pepper and he has a daughter. Uh, so it, it is interesting that that's not, that's, and as I said in the first episode that we talked about infinity, no, uh, end game, it's hard to keep track. It's 22 movies yeah. that you can uh, sub in, in there. <laughs> Uh, there's, uh, you know, that's kind of what I thought that the, the end game of end game was going to be is to yep. undo the snap in the moment that it happened. And so that yep. it basically never happened. So well, I find it to be fascinating that it still happened and people had to live with the effects for five years, right. but then everybody comes right. back. Right. And they didn't lose anything. And, and I think it was also interesting. Um, uh, where was it? Oh, yeah, I'm blanking. Oh, when they were talking about how they were going to fix the timeline and, and there, that whole interaction of all of these characters on like, so Back to the Future was bullshit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. That's, yeah. This, well, yeah, that was so what we talked about. They've done like, all of it. <laughs> yeah, they just wanted to set what their rules were for time travel as, uh, yeah. you know, and that's yeah. the thing about us recording this now is that you haven't heard sort of our, our thoughts on all that. But they explain for them their rules of time yeah. travel. And as I said, 
you can't get angry where like, no, your made up science is different than the made up science that other movies have had. So I refuse right. to accept it. So exactly. just because maybe you like Star Trek's time travel or Doctor Who's time travel better, these are the rules. It makes sense in, in that universe. Uh, let's talk a little bit well, about uh, Fat Thor. What did you think about him? Oh, my God. That cracked me up so much. The whole thing was so funny. First of all, the reveal, um, the fact that he didn't want it. And I got, to, I was excited to see, um, uh, uh, what oh, was, his, what his friends speakers? from, his friends from Ragnarok. I, I had yeah. their names jotted down and I actually forget them right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember, but, um, it was good to see them and they were kind of like, yeah, we don't. And, and seeing Valkyrie again, she's like, yeah, we, he comes down once a month for that, you yeah. know, and to see just how, uh, detached he was from everything and how he felt like he lost everything. It's like, but he killed Thanos. That, that was probably this, the big surprise in the first, what, 10 minutes? It's, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's exactly at the 20 minute mark is when oh, Thanos gets his, yeah, when his, Thanos oh. gets his head cut off. Yeah. I've only seen it the once. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> I, well, I took notes the first time I saw it. That's how I know. Yeah. Well, and I took, I didn't take notes that I couldn't look at anything to t give me my time. But um, yeah, so when he takes the head off, I'm like, oh, this is not at all going to be the story I thought it was going to be. And then to see the five years in the future and the, oh my God, I, <laughs> I couldn't help but laugh. And that just, the he looked like the dude, you know. Well, that's why I love, I love that Tony calls him Lebowski. He's like, one way Lebowski. Yeah, yeah I thought that was great. And, yeah, and, was and as I've said before, Rocket has one of my favorite lines in the movie. You look like melted ice cream. Well, and it was also nice to see, um, there were a lot of goodbyes when Rene Russo being one of them sure. and, and how she, um, told him, you know, like, Hey, son, you can't, you can't do this. You know, essentially it's like, you gotta, whatever this is, you gotta fix it. And it was nice to see, um, that she got a part to play in all of it. It was nice to see her again. Cause I did like her as a character in there. So, but Thor was hysterical. Oh my God. So we'll see if he gets fit again, you know, the angel pirate. Yeah, I think it'll be something that they, they probably play with a little bit. You know, he'll be in better shape, but maybe still a little chubby. And yeah. uh, maybe he still has, you know, a penchant for sweets or, you know, carbs or whatever. Yeah. So you can totally play with it a little bit, you know. Yeah. The, uh, well, especially the whole Bowflex thing that they had done in um, in uh, Infinity War. Right. You know, well, I'm going to give this is telling me a lot. I'm going to get a Bowflex. I'm going to, you know, start eating right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> yeah, and and yeah, Bowflex is the perfect reference for uh, for Star Lord, somebody who's basically plucked out of 1988 and then brought right. into the the modern day after living in space. But um, what were uh, some other big standouts in terms of characters, scenes, situations? Uh, some of the big ticket items for you, Jennifer. Um, so it, w I of course, everybody knew Captain Marvel was going to bring Stark back, so that was a given. Um, Captain America using dirty language. Yes, I wanted. I was in a theater where I probably could have yelled language. I mean, it, they were rowdy. It was wonderful in that it was a sold out showing Thursday night, and I mean, it was great. It really added to the whole experience being in a sold out theater. And I almost language, but I didn't because you know <laughs> yeah. I'm not that person. Um, and then the first twenty minutes were so fast; they covered so much ground. Yeah quickly and then it slowed down when you got to the tony stark part and that was kind of odd you know but then again it it paced out for what you knew was coming you know he you knew he was gonna get it so that was 
weird. And I also didn't care for the fact the rat was the one that brought Scott yeah, back. Yeah, we've talked about it. Jeff's explanation for that was Doctor Strange saw 14,508 <laughs> po- possible realities. And the one where that actually happens is the one where everything, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. it, it, it's not like a great explanation, but I'm like, yeah, he saw different permutations where Scott stays trapped in the quantum realm and they're not able to yeah. do this. So this is this is the one out of 14 million where it happened, like literally, you know. Yeah, it's just like such a such great happenstance. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, love seeing Professor Hulk finally. Yeah. And I would love to have a She-Hulk movie because I love She-Hulk. I, I want a Jennifer. Yeah. The rights of the Hulk character are really messed up with <laughs> Paramount. Oh, okay. Be, uh, sorry, Universal, because Universal has to write any, it has to distribute any movie. They have the right to distribute any movie with Hulk in the title. That's why mm-hmm. Hulk's name is not in Ragnarok, even though he's in it almost as much as Thor. So, uh, yeah, the rights with the Hulk character are very messy. I, I don't I don't think that uh, Universal is one entity that Disney can't swallow. You know, they were able right. to get the X-Men yeah. and the FF back. But uh, I do love that character of She-Hulk, and I do hope we get to see her. I mean, I think... I think we've got an animated uh, version of her showing up on Hulu in, in a series. Oh, so, yeah. Well, I th- that'll because I love I love her character. I mean, yeah. I I mean I'm I'm a big Hulk fan from back way back. So, right. Sure. Um, it was it was good to see Professor Hulk, and that was really cute. And um, their interaction when they were in the diner with the kids, like, no, I don't want my picture taken. You want your picture? No, I don't want I don't want my picture taken. That was cute. Yeah. Um, like I said, oh, I was glad that Tony gave Cap Shield back. That was funny. Um, angry girl. I said before the Valkyrie. It, she. I wish she'd had a little more. Yeah, I, I'm glad she was a part of the big battle. But I agree that there wasn't that much for her to do. But it was good to see her. Yeah. And then, um, oh yeah, I said that already. And there was one point I heard Star Wars sound. Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, what's the Star Wars sound business? Um, uh, Black Widow. Okay, so. That scene on the cliff with both of them fighting to who's going to be the soul stone. Yeah. Um, that was really well handled. I was surprised. I mean, I knew why she did it and I got it. I was, I was surprised she won. Yeah. (laughs) And so how does that impact the movie? Or is she not oh, going to? I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a flashback origin story or whatever. Okay. I'm not okay. that. I I think we always kind of had the sense it was going to be, you know, maybe about an earlier point in her life. Okay. Uh, presumably, obviously, still with Scarlett Johansson playing her, but uh, it would be something earlier. And I think what a lot of us are hoping for is that we finally find out what happened in Budapest, just because of how often <laughs> it gets mentioned in these movies. But uh, yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I think that, uh, it, it was great to see the, the team dynamic. It's not necessarily the team that you expected going into any Avengers movie, you know, with rocket and essentially Nebula's part of the, the team throughout the movie. Uh, well, that was another, that was another interesting way of handling Nebula is the time that, you know, the time dynamic with that. It was that, that worked really well too. I was, I was happy. Yeah, definitely. Um, I uh, we've talked a lot to different people about 
how they uh, felt that uh, Carol's involvement was handled. Uh, I was kind of wondering uh, what your thoughts are about uh, about. I, I always want to call her Ms. Marvel, about uh, Captain Marvel in, in this film. So I think she was in just enough. Um, I was glad that since this is more of a farewell movie to our beloved characters and not so much an, you know, an introduction for her, I think that was handled really well. Um, the haircut thing was kind of goofy. I think we could have done without all that. Um, and then I did write down at one point, where's Captain Marvel? And then, of course, right after I put the question mark at the end, she shows up to take down the um, spaceship. Right, and but. I think they, they do a good job. That's another great, what you're referencing, uh, the rocket moment. Like, what are you going to do? Go get another haircut? And uh, I thought that was very funny because she explains, like, yeah, this is happening everywhere. Uh, you guys have Earth covered. I have to kind of do the rest. So I think it's interesting because there's so many gaps in her timeline where you can, like, yeah. you can tell these stories of her doing that you like where has she been before this movie what what are all the different things that she's doing so uh yeah i think she was in it a good amount and then obviously she shows up when she's absolutely needed at the end and i like that she is super powerful this is something i said before and yeah. she's able to give thanos a run for his money like no one else has before but despite the fact that she thinks she can she can't actually beat him herself you know right. and in fact he's able to pluck off an infinity stone and kind of knock her out so uh <laughs> it was cool to see like oh in case you didn't know how powerful she was she's pulling the infinity gauntlet off of his arm you know right. and all that, on her own that yeah. ties into another movie uh, another moment in the movie that uh, i loved which is just how powerful Scarlet Witch is. And uh, we talked about this in the past, but the yeah. the moment where uh, she says that you took everything from me, and he's like, I don't even know who you are. And she's like, you will. And you the will. fact that Thanos needs to nuke his entire army to get her to stop what she's doing just shows you the ability that she has. Now, yes, of course, like Captain Marvel, her powers essentially come from Infinity Stones. So mm -hmm. there's the argument that that has something to do with the way it impacts Thanos, but that's really neither here nor there at the moment. Yeah. But uh, so th to me, that is the great showdown in the movie. I liked seeing Carol take him on uh, as yeah. part of a team, but the one-on-one -on -one with Scarlet Witch is one of my favorite uh, interactions yeah. in the movie. Yeah, no, that that it did. It really did. I always knew she was powerful. She's not my fair, favorite character. Um, the stuff with Vision is a little creepy to me, but um, but I it was nice to see like how powerful and Carol like it. And I said that I think I told you before it was a little cheesy when they did all the women assemble kind yeah. of thing. But at the same time, I was like, no, this is the way it needs to be. That they need. People, people in general need to be reminded there are women superheroes out there and they need to be represented and Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman and all of these, you know, up and coming women superhero movies. We need more of them. Right. And as a kid, the reason I didn't read comic books is because nobody represented me. You know, right. there weren't and, a lot of, and, there weren't uh, a lot of She-Hulk. Right, so. and, uh, and a lot of people feel that way, you know, uh, uh, sort of, you know, uh, racially, you know, it's like there's all there's not enough representation, females, uh, right. other races. I mean, in the right. present Marvel universe, you have the current Ms. Mar Ms. Marvel, who is 
of Middle Eastern Muslim descent. So exactly. you have you have a lot of yeah, Kamal Khan. You have a lot of images that you didn't get before. You know, you have yep. the the young black Iron Man. You get a lot of different things, and you know there are plenty of uh, you know crotchety old men like me who are like, no, but Peter Parker needs to always be Spider Man. But there's plenty of people that are like, yeah, but look, Miles Morales is it looks more like me, and so right. I get it. And I think it's great that they're able to do it. I as I've said before. And Zia hated that moment, as she said here on the podcast. Yeah. But um, yeah. the uh, I thought that movie. Favorite, I thought that, but at the same, yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a little heavy-handed. But my my point yeah. that I made then, I'll make again, is if they're committed to doing it, I was really glad that Wasp showed up. You know that she like you know I was like yeah, of course she yeah. needs to be there. Yeah, yeah. So. of course. And and Valkyrie was up there, and and you know, I mean, they did have everybody except for Black Widow because she was gone at that right, point. Sure. But it, it was a nice callback to Infinity War when they said, well, she's not alone and um, and to get all that and and how powerful they are. And, you know, it's just it's nice to see from a woman. It was heavy handed. But as a woman and a woman that loves superhero movies and used to love comics, but it was Spider-Man and Hulk and not a lot of <laughs> other things. And it, it was also nice to see. So we have Black Panther and he was spectacular. And nice to see that Falcon is going to be the one that becomes the next Captain America. And yeah. I'm looking forward to see Anthony Mackie take on that character. Cause I've, you know, we've watched him grow since winter soldier two and, and um, how he's changed. And it's going to be nice to have yet another person of color in as a superhero. So yeah. I'm no, no, I, I think, yeah, I think that uh, whatever they've got coming down the pike for phase four and beyond, uh, they're doing a really good job setting us up uh, for all of it. Well, uh, obviously, Jennifer, the conversation will always continue on Twitter and the comments on Facebook yeah. and everywhere uh, as we post all these episodes, including this one. Uh, and people can, of course, find you L underscore Yardo. But I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity for any final thoughts, any other big points that you wanted to make sure that we covered while you were here on the Blackcast with us. Yeah. Yes, please. There are two other fun things. One was Cap and the Hammer. Finally. Finally. Yes. I was, I was glad for that. And then, and hearing and Avengers Assemble. So those were the, yeah. those were the as, two. As, as stated previously, those are two yeah. great moments that uh, yeah. I was so glad that we finally got. Well, uh, Jennifer, yeah. I'm not sure what our uh, what our next occasion will be to have you on, but uh, we always appreciate you uh, listening, even though we don't understand what it is about the black cast that appeals to you still, even after all these years. We appreciate it all the same, and uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from you again in the future. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, and I do look forward to whatever the next time is going to be. I mean, there's some more superhero movies coming out, so... That's true. You know, there's a, there's a, a few more this year. We've got uh, Dark Phoenix. We've got Spider-Man. And uh, then all the question marks next year from Marvel. Anyway, thanks so much, Jennifer. All right. Thanks, Christian. Joining us now is our great friend Christian Toto of Hollywood and Toto, HollywoodandToto.com. And the Twitter is at Hollywood and Toto, correct, Christian? I am consistent, if anything. Yeah, well, look, that's very important with the branding. You know, look, I do oh, a yeah. lot of shows for these online network, this online network, After Buzz TV, and another one called Popcorn Talk. And then you have these shows. It's like, well, this is my Instagram, this is my Twitter, and like, if you want to find me on Facebook, and it's like, 
it's hard though, I guess. It's like when you have a you know a name that maybe isn't uh, you know it's maybe a little bit more common, but uh, I think it's good that you have the the cross promotion. Uh, anyway, Christian, uh, there's always so much to talk to you about, but uh, you know this being the black cast, we really need to focus on superhero movies because that's really what we do and. You know, fortunately for the black cast is that we started it at a time when there uh, all of a sudden was a huge increase in superhero movies and Star Wars movies. And we were getting Star Trek movies for a little while, but I think that might be on might be on hold for a little bit. But, uh, uh, you know, there's there's a rumored uh, Quentin Tarantino Star Trek uh, script out there. I don't know if you've heard about that, Christian, but uh, I have. Yeah. And I, I suspect it may take a very long time before it actually happens. <laughs> I may have to recast the cast if they get too old. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, um, what I want to start off talking to you about is is Avengers Endgame. We're spending a lot of time talking about it this month, and uh, my goal is to have the podcasts all add up to being the length of all 22 Marvel movies. Actually, that's not true, but, uh, uh, you know, talking at least as long as the movie itself, which uh, is, is sort of the, the first thing I want to start with. That's a really unwieldy runtime, three hours and two minutes. Like, three hours is bad enough, but it's like, you know what, we're going to get you for two more minutes, too. <laughs> uh, now, I, I, to me, this is unprecedented when you're trying to wrap up a, a story that has gone on 10 years, 20-plus movies. You do need a little bit more time. I mean, if Batman vs. Superman could be two hours and 40 minutes, why can't this movie be 22 minutes longer? Uh, but... Before you ever saw a frame of it, what did you think when you heard that that was going to be the runtime? I couldn't have been happier. To me, these superhero movies, like you, if they go on for eight hours, I am I'm doing the slow clap. Right. I, I just love it. <laughs> I mean, if it's if it's in my wheelhouse, I want it to be longer. When I'm reading a favorite book by a favorite author, I don't want it to be a novella. I want it to be like a Michener size book. So I had no problem going into this about the length of the movie. Right. So you would be somebody who would read uh, Stephen King's The Stand, which I believe is 1,200 pages, and be like, what? That's it? Come on. <laughs> Where's part two? Uh, so uh, let's uh, let's start off sort of with the positive first. And I don't think your negatives are even really negative. I, I would say overall you enjoyed the film. You were one of the first people that I communicated with about it on Twitter because we had both seen it in advance. But you know, look, it's Disney. I don't, I don't want to go any, I don't even go one minute before that embargo. It was like, <laughs> what was it like Wednesday at three o'clock or something. So I had like a day and a half to wait till I could talk about it, but you posted about it. And I was like, Oh good. I can talk to Christian about it. Finally, someone is, I know has seen it. Um, but let's talk about what you liked and then we'll go from there. Yeah. I actually looked out my window. There were Disney executives on my lawn waiting <laughs> to see if I tweeted out. So yeah, like, I like yourself. I'm very careful. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, this is a movie that has more expectation attached to it than almost any movie in modern memory. I will say that I have watched Infinity War again and again and again, and I could watch it right now. I think it's a better movie. I think they're different kinds of movies for sure. I think that one had a lot to do, and this one had a, a different mission. But overall, enjoyable. I think it sticks the landing. It's just that midsection I had some significant problems with where it sure. felt – it felt like it was a three-hour, two-minute movie. And it almost felt like I was watching a Netflix show, like I was binging. Yeah, which, you know, maybe they should divide up all the uh, all the Marvel movies to be a, a series for Disney+, Plus. you know, because they have so many hours of content. You just sort of re-edit them into uh, into TV shows. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I also re-watched Infinity War a few days before I saw uh, before I saw Endgame. And I think there's a, a lot of ways in which that 
does, you know, I, I think they were very careful to be like, look, this isn't Infinity War 2. It's really not the same movie. Yes, it's continuing the story, but that is a complete film. Total bummer of an ending, but it, it is a complete <laughs> film. And for me, I think I'm more of the, I want to see it all tied together. You know, very controversial opinion that I hold that I have uh, shared in the Black Cast before, that my favorite Star Wars movie is Return of the Jedi, because as great as Empire Strikes Back is, it doesn't end. And uh, I, I, I'm also always having to sort of look through the eyes of me as an eight-year-old when I saw Return of the Jedi in the theater, just how excited I was for it. But even upon re-watching it, I'm like, no, I, I actually really like that film. And look, I, I got nothing. Look, I got nothing against the Ewoks, you know? I mean, there. I thought, I, I owned several Ewoks, actually. And I don't mean that in a slave labor sense. I mean, I had plush, <laughs> plush Ewoks uh, dolls, if you will, stuffed Ewoks. But um, so I think that it is. it was very smart to be like, look, these are different movies. Yes, we're picking up the story. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I've known people that, liked Infinity War more. I haven't found the people that outright hated this movie yet, though. I, I've uh, I've looked. I found people that have, you know, way more criticisms than you do, but I haven't found the people who are like, yeah, it was garbage. I can't believe I wasted all three hours. But maybe, maybe you've found those people. You know, I think there were a couple of popular conservatives who were kind of ragging on the movie, and I I didn't think their, some of their comments held water. It was always like, I don't like this genre, so I'm going to start punching right. at Avengers Endgame. And by the way, if I could just rewind real quickly, sure. the cool, hip, new move is to say, oh, Return of the Jedi sucked. You know what? I am completely on your side. I think it's a great movie. I think it holds up well. And I think that they wrap up many themes beautifully. Yeah. And I think that the, the last third of the movie, where you have three different action set pieces going on, is spectacular. So I, I'm not in that camp. I'm not too cool to like the Ewoks and like that movie. It's good. Yeah. Now the standalone Ewok movies, I will not defend, but uh, <laughs> but but again, I I sure did watch those when I was like ten and they were on TV. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, I think that look, I know that there's a lot of uh, speaking of conservatives. I I know of a couple people uh, like I don't think. Well, I, there's no reason to not name him. I don't think John Nolte from Breitbart hated the movie. I know that he hates Brie Larson and therefore hates Captain Marvel. And I know that he is not on a short list of people who feel that way. And the way that I've sort of looked at her is, look, you can think what you want about Brie Larson as an actress. If she does her job, you won't necessarily hate the character. The example I've been using a lot lately is that I think Michael Stipe from R.E.M. is one of the most pretentious asshats I've ever heard talk. <laughs> but he has some good songs, and I'm not going to be like, no, I, I refuse to admit that that's a good song. Now, I don't know that Brie Larson is as talented as Michael Stipe, but he's the example I always use. You, some people you could substitute Bono. You know, as pretentious as he is wearing sunglasses and during the day, this is still the guy who wrote and sang Sunday Bloody Sunday. So uh, I think that I, I understand that that's – it's not even – I don't think it's a, it's a popular opinion because it's trendy. I do think people legitimately dislike what she's had to say before this movie, before other movies, things she's had to say since. Um, but – I don't think I, I actually didn't talk to you about the standalone Captain Marvel movie. So I only want to quickly ask you, what did you think of that? And then what did you think of her as part of this ensemble? I thought that was a big meh. And what's interesting about her casting is obviously she's an Academy Award winning actress. Sure, yeah. I think she, I think in the right role, she is excellent. I think watching her in Captain Marvel taught me, oh, my gosh. Marvel Cinematic Universe has done an amazing job of casting actors 
who can play these larger than life roles. And they stumbled with this one. I, I don't listen. Mark Ruffalo and I disagree on everything politically speaking. I could you know argue with him over a, a brew at a pub, but he's very good as the Hulk, as you know Bruce Banner. I have no issue with that. I could say the same thing about half. You know Chris well, Evans. I was going to mention Chris I don't Evans. Care. Yeah, sure, exactly. Yeah, no, and that's it. Those are those are great comparisons. Yeah, I completely separate that. I don't yeah. agree with. I think Brie Larson sounds. It sounds like I'd rather spend an afternoon with almost anyone in the world than Brie Larson. She just sounds so full of herself and so entitled and so I need to make everything a, a cause when she's yeah. making a comic book movie. So I disagree with her there. She doesn't have it as a superheroine actress. She doesn't have that charisma, that pop, that sense of ease, that sense of being a, a, a powerful figure. She, I mean, the stunt work was perfectly fine. I, I don't disagree there. But she doesn't have it. So listen, she's a very small figure in Endgame. So it's yeah. not a big deal. She shows up. She does a couple of things. She's perfectly fine. I actually thought she was modestly better in Avengers Endgame than her own movie. Yeah, I, I find the I found that she worked really well, and you know, sort of her, you know, her fullness of herself as Carol Danvers, I think, worked really well. Especially, you know, interacting with Rhodey, who's like, "All right, settle down, new girl." All right, you know, that's not the way we do things. And I thought it was really cool to see, like, look at what she could do, like sliding off the Infinity Gauntlet, but. At the same time, you know, she still, as strong as she was and as many powers as she had, she uh, still got her ass whooped. I think that the impressive comparison, the standout of, you know, there's always the back and forth about Thor and Hulk being strongest Avenger. I'm going to have to argue that it could be very well be Scarlet Witch, you know, because when she tapped into her powers and Thanos was like, you know what, um, I'm going to have to now just uh, basically obliterate my whole army so that I can get this chick to leave me alone, you know? I, I need to catch my breath, and I'm not going to do it without missiles. So I thought it was very, you know, and then the the, the common thread with uh, Scarlet Witch and Captain Marvel is that they both, both their powers come from Infinity Stones. So it would make sense that they're amongst the only people who are playing on his uh, the same field as Thanos, you know? Yeah, that's a great point, and I, I don't think it's been talked about a lot about how powerful Scarlet Witch was. You know, I read Marvel as a kid. I don't remember her being that consequential of a figure, yeah. but I think it I think it plays well here. Again, another good actress who's able to kind of bring that sort of I'm a comic book character plus I'm a real person, which is sort of the dance that the Marvel films have done so well. And it's not just silly. It's not just uh, over the top. They, they ground their performances. So I think she's great. I, I loved her. I, I missed the whole Vision Scarlet Witch romance. I wish they had more of that. I guess we're going to maybe get that in a streaming series. Yeah. But uh, that's a good point. And listen, at the end of the day, I'm not mad at Brie Larson because her character is too powerful. I thought that Gal Gadot was great, great in Wonder Woman. And she might be the most powerful, yeah. you know, it's just sure, a notch yeah. below Superman. Yeah, you know, and I think it's it's a fault of the movie, but I felt like Wonder Woman didn't really mesh well in the Justice League movie. I thought that the strong point of Batman versus Superman, which I didn't think I would mention twice in this conversation, but here I am again. <laughs> I thought she was like, no, she was great with Batman and Superman. And I think it's maybe more of a fault of Justice League. I thought that Captain Marvel worked really well as part of a team. And then, of course, the interesting thing, it's been talked about uh, since the films come out, she filmed, Brie Larson filmed these scenes before she ever filmed Captain Marvel. So how she has a better handle on the character before she's done her solo movie, I don't quite understand. But uh, oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. That's interesting. But I will give more credit to the Russo brothers, who 
No, I mean, they are genetically designed to make great superhero movies. The way that they stage the action sequences, the way that they kind of create humor amidst the chaos, they are geniuses at that. And I don't use that term very often. So, you know, they talked about taking a break from the Marvel Universe, and I'm sure they've deserved it, my goodness, but... You got to get them back in there. They got to. This is what they do. I don't. I don't need you, me, and Dupree Part Two. I need these guys <laughs> doing these movies because they're great at it. Could you imagine if you, me, and Dupree Part Two actually was their next project, <laughs> <laughs> or or the the you, me, and Dupree reboot that we've all been clamoring for? You know, with a new cast. So um, how did Marvel find these guys? Okay, you did a. I think they did the show Community, and you, yeah. me, and Dupree. Oh, yeah. Well, let's give you Captain America. Let's see what happens. What's the worst that can happen here? Yeah, I know. And that's kind of the interesting thing. And I think, you know, look, Disney as an entity is taking some gambles on those kinds of directors. Sometimes it works, you know, uh, in terms of uh, Lord and Miller getting fired off of the Han Solo movie. And I guess they were going to do a Boba Fett movie with uh, the guy who did Fantastic Four, Josh Trask, I think is his name. Um, I think the fact that the Fantastic Four movie was garbage maybe factored into that more than anything. But usually they seem to find these people who like, oh, look at this. Like, who knew, you know, that uh, this was somebody that uh, could do a great movie. Um, I wanted to kind of go back to you talked about there's like a middle part of the movie that lagged for you. Is there a specific sequence where you were just like, yeah, I don't I don't know that we needed this or that or any of this or was it just an overall feeling of just it being too long it was overall it didn't feel like it had the 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 crisp pacing that the other parts had i thought that the tony stark chatting with his daddy went on forever and it it felt like there should have been a neon sign blinking fan service (laughs) fan service over and over again i think if they i think you could have gotten that point across in a much quicker way i just thought the the whole concept behind those Let's go back in time and do these little mini adventures. It just, on the surface, it wasn't that thrilling. It seemed like a, a detour from the main event. and uh, But then the way it played out was just not as exciting as everything else has been. And this is a franchise, the Avengers, uh, have, have been very few lulls. Even Age of Ultron, which I think is lesser yeah. material-wise, is still wonderful and still fun to watch and, and, and easily rewatchable. Yeah, I think it made sense to sort of, you know, as you do the final chapter, let's go back to the first Avengers movie. That that sequence was fun and, you know, a lot of uh, interesting interactions. You know, you get Cap fighting himself. You know, you get stuff like that. Um, I don't think anybody was like, you know, they really should go back to Thor 2 The Dark World. I want to make sure that they time travel <laughs> into that movie. Uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that some of the choices, I think a lot of it was fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely see that feeling. I was fine with it. And I thought that, you know, I mean, what I said was the fastest three hour, two minute movie that I've ever seen, you know, it doesn't (laughs) feel like three hours, but I could see how that stuff would, uh, would definitely wear down. Is there, is there a favorite moment or two that really stand out? And it's been a few weeks since we've seen it, but, uh, is there, is there something that stands out for you right now that, uh, as kind of like a favorite couple of moments in the film? Well, I think when Captain America picks up the hammer yeah, is, is is amazing. Yeah. I think when the sort of the uh, when the 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 dead heroes come back and enter the fray is great. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the early sequence with attacking Thanos when Thanos is just like a <laughs> like a Midwestern farmer now, kind of tending to his crops and not caring about all the the havoc he wrecked. I, I thought that was it was so unexpected. I thought it was clever. And uh, yeah, and I just liked I liked the humor. I, I I liked you know the beginning of the film had to be somber, 
but I thought it was done in a very respectful way and it wasn't like a, a sludge, a drudge. It was like even the, the sight of those uh, memorials to the fallen. Yeah. I just thought that was an elegant touch. And I, I think that throughout this two-part Avengers movie marathon, marathon, there were so many moments like that, so many just little flourishes, little uh, a writing twist. Uh, you know, Spider-Man saying to Doctor Strange, oh, we're using our made-up names. Yeah. Like, that was, I, thought, I love that. You don't, yeah. you don't need that line. It's, yeah. it's great. It's absolutely great. And it just shows you how the scripts for these films are actually rather good. This isn't one, this wasn't like punching the clock until Thanos shows up. Yeah. They really had some well thought out sequences and exchanges. And, and the fact that they could carry off so much humor within the end of the world is, is stunning where I, I go see comedies every other week. I sit there stone faced. I, I mean, you could take any five minutes of Avengers Endgame and it's funnier than The Hustle. And it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, and again, I didn't see The Hustle. And as soon as I found out that my wife didn't want to see it, I'm like, great, that means I don't have to see it. Um, <laughs> dodged. But I feel like, you know, on paper, like, why would that movie not work? I'm like, Rebel Wilson has annoyed me in movies, but she's also been very funny in movies. And Hathaway, it's hit or miss, but uh, I have enjoyed her in movies. So, uh, yeah, I, I know that that's one that didn't work. But did that movie not work because of uh, of the script? Was it a tonal problem? Was it the casting? Was it a little bit of everything? It's hard for me to say because the sh the movie, in many ways, takes the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and copies it, like, right, a, which like is an old a, Xerox machine. Which is a fantastic movie, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, with Michael but Caine you know, and it, Steve it Martin, is Steve yeah. Martin and Michael Caine, and and to and to their credit, Rebel Wilson's very funny, and Hathaway has an Oscar. It's maybe not their format. I, I don't know. It, I will say that the cons, as presented, the whole movie's about cons and sure, grifting, yeah. are so dumb. And the opening sequence reveals one such con that is so brain dead. I almost <laughs> checked out immediately. I thought, wait, you know, with the Bond films, you always have that really great action yeah, sequence to open things up. It's it sets the stage. And when the when the <laughs> the hustle opens up. You've got Rebel Wilson flailing across the screen with this ridiculous premise. I'm thinking, oh, oh no, they didn't just open with this. This is terrible. <laughs> and and but it didn't really get any better. Yeah, it looks like one of those movies where I'm like, oh, they. I bet they put that best joke in in the trailer where she's in the leather outfit, Rebel Wilson, and she hides amongst a bunch of trash bags. I'm like, I feel like it's, that would have been the funniest movie. But then when you see it in the commercial, you're not even going to laugh at it in the movie because you because you know it's coming. Um, it's actually better in the movie because there's a little bit of context. And you're uh, right, that was the best joke. That was the biggest <laughs> laugh I had yeah. in the whole movie. I, I don't usually feel like ah, oh, what they showed us the best things in the trailer, but I'm like, I think that might be one of them. Um, I know. That that obviously because you know you uh, Hollywood and Toto right I think it says on the website from the right perspective you know so it's you know conservative leaning in, in a lot of the ways that you analyze films and I think that look I think a lot of movies are uh, woke in a way that it's very important to the message of it sometimes you feel like you know, they, it's like a recipe. They have to sprinkle a few in like, you know, some salt at the end. Um, I, I know that you've written a little bit about, uh, I think there were a couple of those moments for you in Avengers Endgame, right? Really? They were tiny. They were really yeah. tiny. I noticed them. I mentioned them, but they certainly didn't distract from things. And I think for the most part, the MCU has really avoided that. I think that actually the Captain Marvel film had, a, had more of those moments than any other movie. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just little, little things. And, 
when you notice them, when they jump out at you, for better or worse, I always think that's an issue because you want to get lost in the movie. You want to get swept up by what's happening. And if the movie kind of stops cold and says, okay, here's this message, you're thinking, oh, I was enjoying this movie. I was kind of lost in the whole experience. Why why'd you do that? Yeah, Whether you, I agree with it or not. Right. You don't want it to turn into, uh, you know, at the end of every episode of South Park, it used to be, hey, I learned something today, you know? And, <laughs> and it's right. like, you know, Hulk's like, yeah, Hulk learned something today. Hulk learned why <laughs> you don't always have to smash. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the specific mo- moment I know uh, that, you know, you're not the only one who wrote about it. There's the support group that Steve's leading uh, after the five years go by. And, you know, I, I and I didn't realize that was Joe Russo is the guy talking about the date that he went on. And uh, there's a there's a quote from him that he wanted to work a gay character into this universe because there hadn't been any. And I I, I wasn't looking for them. I didn't realize there hadn't been any. And I was like, OK, that was important to him, important enough that he was the guy. I actually think it makes the story funnier that it's two guys on a date because he cries first. You know, if the other person on the date is a woman and she cries cries first. It's still funny, but uh, I've kind of seen the other end of the reaction to that, though, is like, oh, that's pathetic, that that's all it was that they did. And I was like, I don't know what you wanted. You know, I don't know what they should have done that would have been more inclusion inclusionary and not taken away from the film. So, yes, it was very clear he was talking about a, a, a homosexual date, but at the same time, it didn't bother me. I didn't think that much about it other than the fact that I that I laughed. But it is one of those things you think about after the fact. I, I'm surprised sort of the you know the the reaction, the opposite reaction to yours that it wasn't enough. I don't quite know what people want from these superhero movies, but like you said, that didn't take you out of the movie. You didn't go like, well, now I, now I'm mad at the movie. You're just like, oh, okay, this this maybe should have been another one of those neon signs that was. Uh, you know, uh, pandering or woke moment or something. Yeah. Listen, I, it didn't, it didn't phase me a bit. And if it was a, a man talking about a date, then there's a chance it could have been a, a, another man that he was having a date with. Yeah. So it's not a big deal. Just, I think I'm, I'm hyper aware of these things. Cause I, I write about it so often. Yeah, so absolutely. I noticed it, but again, I, I thought it was a more fluid, uh, part of the movie. I think the, the one other scene we'll talk about in a second is that one really jumped out at me as being very obvious yeah. Um, that, that, that they're trying to, to, they're sending a message in that fashion. But, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what's interesting, and this is something I've kind of learned about people looking for more inclusion, more diversity, it's never enough. So if you have, you know, Sulu sh- is shown to be gay in the Star Trek movies, then they say, well, why, why didn't we get like a, a bedroom scene or a scene yeah. with them just talking together alone or a date? Like it, for people who are kind of counting these moments, they're never quite satisfied. And I, listen, I understand for people who aren't represented well on screen that they want to see themselves. And I get that. And I, you know, I, I don't experience it because I see myself on screen. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm trying to be as aware as possible that that matters and that, you know, more people of different colors on the screen is a good thing. And it is. But I think that when they get to this certain point in our culture where you have to kind of check the boxes, we have to send the message where it's so obvious then it, I, I get I get a little grumpy. 
Yeah, and I think the, you know, look, the in- inclusion, I think, works when it's not about that. You know, I yeah. I ended up uh, at AfterBuzz TV uh, covering a show that I didn't know that much about, but, uh, you know, just wanted the chance to work with some of the people on the panel. It was a show for Netflix called Chambers, and uh, Uma Thurman was in the cast, the only person I'd heard of. The lead is a female Native American, and it, it is a, it's about basically a girl gets a heart transplant, but... The girl she gets the heart from is, you know, kind of like a possessed demon type. So it's kind of an interesting story. And what I liked about that was like, well, that character didn't have to be Native American. They certainly Mm -hmm. dealt with it. Her culture factored into it. They didn't ignore it. But it wasn't like they set out to like, okay, well, now we're going to make a Native American show. I think it's just sort of where the story went. And I think... To me, and again, it's easy for us to be like, oh, this is this is what we feel like inclusion should be because, you know, as soon <laughs> the first moving images were people that looked like us, so it, it's easy for us. Uh, I don't know. I think it's easier when you're not hit over the head with it. But uh, what, what's another moment in the movie uh, that you felt like was maybe a little bit uh, a little bit tougher? Or it, it seemed like you alluded to something. Yeah, I, there were only two moments. The, the the one we just talked about, but also. There's a scene late in the movie where one of our characters, I think it might have been a female character, is getting beat up pretty badly by the the villains. And I haven't seen it in a few weeks, so I I forget the very specifics of it. But her fellow Avengers rush to her side. But it isn't just her fellow Avengers. It's all female Avengers. Right. And it's it's a very obvious, and and I think the the people behind the scenes have kind of mentioned this was like that was the plan. It was very obvious that all these female characters were coming to save their fellow female. Like it was sort of a feminist movement when i'm thinking it's you know we're trying to save half of the world the world's population half of the universe you don't really want to gather all your female friends to save our our comrade you just want to get a bunch of avengers together and so the whole it like it just seemed very artificial and and that one bugged me again you're in the middle of an action scene it just it doesn't last long it could be it could be all of 20 seconds if at best it's not crushing the movie but it just it was obvious and it just seemed kind of stilted. And I think the rest of the movie, there's a flow to it. Things make sense. You can get the story the way it's kind of uh, going from A to B to C. And that moment jumped out. I'm like, oh, I, I see what they're doing. Or maybe even when you're saying, hey, the next Marvel phase will have an, a female Avengers movie, which I don't even know if that makes sense, but it is what it is. So that that jumped out of me. Yeah, I think, you know, when you put together a superhero team, it should probably be the which characters are going to be the best for the story we want to tell. You know, yeah. and the example I use all the time is that in comic books, there there have been points where in the X-Men, it's been like five women in Wolverine. And just that's kind of the way that the stories went at one point. And, you know, they mix and match. I think that the, the Avengers as a franchise should kind of work that way. You know, you have now all these characters. It should be like, oh, well, you know what? We're going to need Doctor Strange this time. We're going need wasp but you know what uh you know ant-man's busy so we'll just use wasp and i don't i like when they kind of pick and choose and obviously that's easy to do when you're drawing comic books and not having to worry about actors salaries and schedules um but uh yeah i think i think we're getting a lot of moments like that i think that there because there's that moment in infinity war where there's all the women standing together so then in this movie they have well now we have more women standing together and Mm -hmm. the only reason it really bothered me in this one uh was because 
wait, Spider-Man's right there. He's literally <laughs> right there on the ground. And it's like, no, 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 don't get up. You're not in this shot. <laughs> you know, I, I was just like, but wait, I love Spider-Man. Uh, and then the interesting thing is that that's a moment that's felt very pandery. But uh, one of uh, uh, one of the uh, my female co-hosts on a number of shows that I do, including the Black Cast sometimes, uh, my friend Zia, that she hated that moment. It was like, oh, come on. That doesn't even make sense that all the women are on the battlefield at the same time. I mean, in that spot, you know, that's like they weren't anywhere near each other. How do they all end up over there? And there's no guys in the shot. So I know that, like, they want to manufacture artificial moments like that. And it didn't bother me, but I was just, it's like, all right, I'm going to roll my eyes. But as I've told you, I might have uh, I might have been a little teary-eyed during that movie, so probably an eye roll was uh, was was good for me. But uh, it was medicinal. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think I, I can I can understand sort of all the the criticisms, but I think the movie works so well that even even you said like, oh, I just thought it was slow. There were a couple of times, but uh, on the whole, I think it's a it's an impressive achievement. It was great. Uh, I'm going to probably see it one more time in the theaters and then that's enough for this movie. You know, I mean, I, I think I've seen it twice and uh, I, I, I haven't seen it in, in a while now. And I'm like, I think one more time on the big screen. I always like to do that for the event movies. Um, but, uh, you know, we, I guess the next entry, they say that the end of phase three is actually going to be this new Spider-Man movie, which to me, Spider-Man Far From Home looks like it's going to be great. Yeah. Good trailer. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, interesting actor. I'd like to see he can go wrong if he's miscast, but yeah. normally I think he's very reputable. And I think Tom Holland has been a wonderful Spider-Man. They've done a good job casting that role. It's not easy. I thought uh, Tobey Maguire was very effective, and Andrew Garfield only got two two whacks at the uh, Spider-Man pinata, but I thought he was effective too. So yeah, yeah, I, I'm very curious what happens next. I mean, they have built this amazing story. They have connected these movies in ways I didn't think possible. And while I critique the middle section of Avengers Endgame, at the same time, another part of my brain was thinking, oh my gosh, they just connected that movie and this movie and this character. Like I was just agog at at how well things meshed together. So even though I didn't find it as entertaining, I, I just really appreciated how well the pieces fit. Yeah, when they time travel back into the other movies, it is really impressive. I, I think, you know, inserting characters from Winter Soldier and other things into what was going on during the Avengers movie, I think is kind of cool and, and interesting. And I mean, I haven't seen the first Avengers in a little while, so I'm like, I don't, I don't know how seamless it looked, but for me just sitting there, you know, it wasn't like... You know, in uh, what is it? In Back to the Future Two, he travels back to Back to the Future One, and he's like up in the <laughs> rafters and things. You can see the seams in that a little bit. This wasn't anything like that, so I felt like. Uh, oh, and I did love the shout out for uh, from uh, Ant Man that uh, Back to the Future was bullshit. There's just a lot of <laughs> a lot of my favorite moments, and I think that that's why these movies work because you have a lot of good one liners. You know, calling Thor Lebowski, pretty much everything that Rocket says, you know, is just an act laugh out loud moment and until you, you said it uh, yeah rabbit and until you said it i was like oh yeah this, these movies are funnier than actual comedies and i'm not saying all comedies but comedies that come out and people go see these movies are much funnier than those but yeah uh what's uh in our final moment here what's uh something you're looking forward to uh either something that you you have seen or is about to come out because uh, you know we're about to be in the glut of summer movies i mean obviously it has started but the movies are really going to start rolling out fast and furious although oddly enough not a fast and furious movie among them yeah, just Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. That's like our method, our methadone until the next movie comes out. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I think that the Fast and Furious movies deliver exactly what you need. 
They're dumb. They don't make sense. But the characters are fun and lovable. The action is crazy. And there's no pretense about it. I love the franchise. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to I hope I get the name right. I think it's called Midsummer. It's a new horror film from the uh, creator of Hereditary. And I just saw the trailer. It dropped very recently. And it looks good. And it's got that same kind of creepy, violin heavy score, which I, it seems reminiscent of Hereditary. And I love horror movies. And I think this when I watched that movie, the first one, I thought, it's good. I didn't love the ending, but this fellow is on to something. He's a really creative soul. And I, so I'm very curious to see what happens next. And, you know, Spider-Man is always intriguing. And can Toy Story 4 manage to lap Toy Story 3, which was such a wonderful film? Yeah. I'm a bit skeptical. I don't think that the Pixar magic has been in full effect like it once was. But, uh, you know, Woody, Woody and uh, Buzz, Hope Springs Eternal, right? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, but more trepidatiously because I mean, I, I, I it, all indications, Toy Story three was intended to kind of end that story, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I do love the characters. There'll be another movie for my kids to watch when they're just a little bit older. <laughs> we were gonna show my son Toy Story, and then my wife reminded me like, there's the neighbor kid that like you know blows up all the uh, toys, and I'm like, all right, well we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to. He's not four yet, so I'm just like, all right, we'll have to figure <laughs> out, you know, exactly when he gets to see it, but. Uh, I think I'm amongst the only people that I, I, I refuse to give in to all the uh, negative expectations. I want that last X-Men movie to be great. Uh, I don't know that it will be. There's probably a lot of indications. There's a lot of writing on the wall. But I love that story they adapted. And they did such a bad job adapting it in the Brett Ratner X-Men The Last Stand that uh, I'm, I'm going to be more disappointed than I should be if it turns out to not be good. Uh, are you seeing those trailers with a more objective eye than I am, Christian? They don't excite me. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like I'm, my enthusiasm for the X-Men franchise has waned, even though they got some really good actors involved. Uh, wait, Michael Fassbender. I mean, you know, it doesn't get better than that. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence. It, you know, they're, it's a it's ridiculously talented group. But I just I don't have much enthusiasm for their next adventures. And that was before the, the negative buzz yeah. on Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And I, I vaguely remember that story, but I don't know it intimately. So I'm not going to be upset if it's right. not handled well, but as a movie itself, I, I'm, I, I just don't sense the enthusiasm. And I, from the trailers, I don't get, I mean, they've kind of been showing us new trailers every few weeks and right. I'm still not there. Yeah. And look, I think that, uh, you know, it's going to take, I, I think we've been told by Kevin Feige and others don't expect to see X-Men or Fantastic Four in the MCU for maybe about five years. But I think when we finally do, I think people will finally be happy. I mean, we've never had a, a actually like good Fantastic Four movie. I don't hate the ones with Jessica Alba, but you know, they're, it's not, it, it's like a, it, it's like they're playing a different sport making those movies. You know, it's like, those are, those are like double A, you know, if you're using the, the minor league baseball system. Those are like double A movies. And I would love a great Fantastic Four movie. And I, I feel like you can make it all work together now under the Disney umbrella. They just need to take the time to do it. And uh, I hope they're able to. And, uh, you know, I, I, I at least hope that, uh, that Dark Phoenix will be a decent send off to these characters for a little while since we won't see them. Uh, anyway, uh, Christian, it's always great to talk to you and, uh, there's, uh, always so much more that we could talk about, but, uh, where people can find you is hollywoodandtoto.com at hollywoodandtoto on Twitter. And, uh, is there uh, still the Hollywood and Toto podcast found on the website? Is that the best place to find it? Yeah, you can find it on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify. It's almost everywhere. Your audio platforms are working and, uh, comes out each Friday. All right, great. And, uh, do, do you want to tease the, uh, the newest episode? 
Um, yeah, I just did an interview with a new podcaster. Actually, he's an existing podcaster with a new show. It's called Bleeped, and it comes out actually early or mid-June, but he covers censorship in our culture, and I was fascinated by that subject. It, it really is sort of the thing I focus on quite a bit at my website, so I wanted to talk to him more about that, and he didn't disappoint, so that's the newest episode. All right, well, we will look for that. And uh, Christian, I'm sure we will uh, we will talk to you soon, at the very latest uh, on Oscar night. Uh, but uh, I feel like we'll <laughs> find an excuse to talk before then. And as always, huge thanks to Christian Toto of HollywoodandToto.com. But we move it along now for the true end of our end game. Yes, we are indeed in the end game of the end game with our friend Jeff Winstead, artist, creator, extraordinaire of The Alternate, now available on Comixology. Jeff, welcome back to the Blackcast. Thank you, Christian. Nice, uh, nice to be here. So you're telling me you're not doing 22 episodes of these to coincide with the 22 Marvel movies? Oh, I thought about it. You know, I thought about uh, ta- if I could have taken the time to see all of those movies again, I would have. I think I had to settle for seeing Infinity War again and uh, Ant Man and the Wasp because my wife hadn't seen it. So uh, 22 in-game recaps. I know. Believe me, it feels like it sometimes. I mean, by doing, I was a little trepidatious of doing five, but if yeah, we did four. If we did four for Captain Marvel, I think the least we could do is five for uh, for Endgame. Sounds- so, uh, due to the uh, the quantum realm and time space irregularities, you actually attended the third screening of the the film with me. Uh, even though earlier in the same episode, I was talking about how maybe I've only seen it once or twice, depending on what you were listening to. So, uh, interestingly enough, I've now seen it three times, and I saw it with you and. I think that was the only way that I was going to uh, get you to see it in a theater, is if I drove to Palm Springs and said, come on, let me drag you to the movie theater, right? It was dedication on your part. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, I really, you know, look, we don't have that many listeners to the Blackcast, and if somebody's not listening to our episodes, I feel like it, it's going to just hurt overall morale. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drive yeah. there, I'm going to go see the movie with you, and this way you'll be able to listen to, well, now all five episodes of... Uh, Endgame talk on the Blackcast, but uh, I appreciate you. Uh, first of all, we had a great time in uh, Palm Springs. It's a wonderful, yes, yeah. wonderful town. But uh, I wanted to kind of start with, you know, we've talked so much about it. I've said many times what I thought about things in the movie, and I just wanted some of your overall thoughts uh, on the film as a whole. I thought it was really successful, which you knew going into it, it was going to be ambitious, uh, you know, just trying to wrap up uh, – uh, a 22 film series like that. And it's one thing to be ambitious. It's another thing to pull it off. And especially with the amount of characters that show up in the film. Um, and I mean, I think literally, well, not literally, but almost every supporting character even came back in the movie, which was pretty impressive. Uh, even Jarvis from the TV show, which you and I talked about, um, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's very cool because that's the first time a character created for one of the TV shows showed up in a movie. So uh, I thought there was no reason to not have him, and I'm glad that they didn't get bogged down, you know, about like, oh, I don't know, are the are the TV shows canon or whatever. They just figured like, well, look, Howard Stark had Jarvis in his life. Let's have him be played by the guy from the TV show. So, yeah, it's such a little tiny thing, but uh, people like me get very excited about that stuff. Yeah, 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 it was uh... – it was amazing in a movie like this that most every character had their moment, um, even even the most minor characters in some cases, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was great. I mean, one of the things that I've talked about is just surprising how 
important of a figure Nebula was in this movie, you know, because of how much we had seen her and kind of the tone of the character for most of the time that she had been in films, uh, in these films. So uh, I thought that they did a good job really servicing a lot of these characters. So uh, one of the things we've said many times uh, over the course of the past month here on the Blackcast is that I don't think we'll ever see anything again on this scope of, you know, uh, have building up t- for 22 movies to some a huge event like this. But uh, so it, it's it'll probably be a very daunting task. But uh, I think they really did a great job of servicing the story. But then, of course, there was plenty of stuff that was uh, were great moments for fans as well. And just a lot of stuff that I think a lot of us wanted to see. Did you, uh, you know, look, it's a three hour and two minute movie. Did you uh, did you find that it lagged at any point or were you uh, locked in the whole time? Yeah, not really. You know, once you sort of bought into the conceit that during the time travel stuff, they'd be revisiting previous films. Um, you, once you know that's happening, you kind of along for the ride. I, um, I was actually surprised in a three-hour movie that it clipped by pretty quickly. And, I mean, most of these movies, even the two-hour, two-hour, two 15-minute ones, I can easily see where they can lop off 10 minutes. Um, this one didn't feel like it had a lot, a lot wasted. And... Actually, I think the best movement, uh, moments in the movie were the slower moments, like the Hawkeye intro, which I yeah. think was like one of the best scenes in the, the in the movie. Um, yeah, you know, the interesting thing is you go into it and you kind of have to. I, I know we this has come up, but you have to get out of your mind that it's a standalone film. Um, that was one of the things, kind of the lesson I learned from Infinity War, which I was kind of dissatisfied with in that sense. It's like, oh well, it's not even meant to be a film. It's a it's a, almost like a, the, the, the series finale of a show, you know? Um, yeah, which is a, brand, yeah, know. which is a great comparison. Uh, my, one of my co-hosts on Marvel movie news on the popcorn talk network, uh, Zach Wilson, whom I saw the film with actually, <laughs> when we went to the screening, he really summed it up like that. He said that it, it really feels like watching the series finale of a show that you've been with for 10 years, you know, because that's really what it is. And it is so different uh, than usually, you know, the last film in any series. And, you know, you can always go back in and do more. But, you know, when you think of like your whatever your return of the Jedi, you think you think of your like seventh Harry Potter movie, you know, you think of all of these things, it's a lot different than what this was. You know, it is a lot more like watching, you know, the last episode of, of a TV series. And there's just so many moving parts. There's so much to do, but you feel like you really had great representation of our main heroes, our Avengers, and then also getting, you know, a lot of these newer characters, you know, you've, you've got a lot of War Machine, you've got Captain Marvel and uh, tons of Rocky Raccoon with some uh, pretty, yeah, pretty yeah. great jokes. And, um, you know, the, the thing that I like to ask a lot of people when we talk about it, what did you think of stuff like uh, like Fat Thor? You know, I mean, <laughs> did you feel like that worked for you? Yeah, Fat Thor was probably my least favorite part of the movie. Right. And not because he was fat and it was because it was played for laughs. Yeah. And I think it was played for too many laughs. Like it was, it was a little bit of like, look, I get it. People get depressed. They you know, put on weight. They maybe they drink in excess, but the fact that they played it for sort of lowbrow yucks, I, I thought kind of didn't work in a lot of, a lot of, a lot of places. I was glad which you mentioned in a, in a previous uh, episode that when he sort of got his, mojo back at the end and had both hammers he didn't suddenly get skinny yeah 
Yeah, I think uh, that would have been a bit of a cop out. That uh, yeah, it's been a total cop out. So so you know, by the time we get to that point with the character, there's obviously an evolution. Uh, you know, from a storytelling standpoint for him in the movie, and it totally works um, in that sense. And actually, you know, it was interesting to have so many characters have such satisfying arcs, and to have although Thor's story we hope will continue in Guardians of the Galaxy three, the endings that other characters had were oddly satisfying. I mean, I thought it was a super impressive. Having just finished the Game of Thrones finale, I can tell you this was much more. Um, felt like the proper end that the characters deserved or at least it fit within the story. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, I think, uh, it's, it just, it just works so well. And, you know, look, I've, I saw it in the theater three times. So it, I think I'm going to take a little bit of a break from, uh, end game. I've, you know, now spent nine hours and six minutes and that's not even counting all the other time in the theater, but actually sitting and watching the movie, yeah. I think, uh, but it's, uh, it's, I don't know. It was just a lot to process, a lot to think about. And I think I'm not, I, I don't usually get to watch a lot of movies repeatedly, especially in the theater. But, uh, this was one that, uh, I, I really felt like it helped. And look, just last week when I talked to Rob Lorich, he actually liked the film a lot more the second time when he saw it, yeah. whereas yeah. he wasn't crazy yeah. about it the first time. I think maybe you have to settle into it. And a lot of times with these these big, huge event movies that I'm excited for, I need that second time to just settle in. I mean, this one I loved the first time, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I'm able to calm down uh, a little bit more. Uh, you know, we've gotten some uh, feedback to uh, all of our uh, episodes on Endgame, and I wanted to, uh, since you're here with me, Jeff, while I uh, dip into the mailbag, uh, Dominicus Saxon, a uh, regular uh, fan of oh, Blackcast, yeah. yeah, he points out the major flaw in Thanos' plan is if you wipe out half of life on Earth, that just takes you back to where the population was in 1977. And in 1977, we still were overpopulated and there was crowding and all of that. So uh, Dominicus Saxon says that uh, Thanos' plan didn't go far enough. He's suggesting 80% here. So you get down to just 20%. Now that's what's going to work. And uh, I felt like I needed to to read that into the official record on the black cast because, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I just love the idea. that like, okay, yeah. hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know. I think from an Earth standpoint, the the overpopulation thing has kind of been debunked, right? Like we're we're not really teetering on the brink of. I think that was something that people were really worried about, maybe in the seventies and eighties, and it seems to have not proven out. We actually have less famine now than we did sure uh, thirty years ago. So from from that perspective, maybe Thanos's problem. Uh, plan was bad to begin with, and I can't speak for the rest of the universe. Though. Yeah, no, exactly. We don't. We don't really know what's going on there. Uh, but speaking of the rest of the universe, uh, uh, Jason Blair writes in that he liked the uh, he liked the scene where all the women of Marvel uh, help Captain Marvel clear a path with the uh, Infinity Globe. He didn't like that. <laughs> he did like it. He says, he and like she pretty it. much just cut a path on her own. Yeah. Uh, they they like they try to help her, and she doesn't need their help. Uh, I, I, you know, I think that might have been a little tongue in cheek when he said it, but uh, I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was. There were two things that sort of sucked me out of the movie, and that scene, which I know has been talked about before. Sure. And yeah. by the way, Zia, uh, your your uh, compatriot, is my new favorite, sometimes black cast panelist. Yes, uh, including myself, because <laughs> she gives me license to say this. Because before I I heard her on your on the previous episode mention it, I was like, ah, maybe I'm not the person to say anything about it. But yeah, that that scene was totally condescending, totally forced, didn't flow naturally with the story. 
And I can guarantee you when my wife sees it, the eye roll that she will give will cause seismic activity in Southern California. Yeah. Like, and, you know, it didn't bother my wife as much as it, it bothered Zia, but it was just more like, mm, yeah, she didn't really feel much by it. But then the thing is, like, you know, Zia and I have talked about that on the Blackcast and on some of the other shows that we do. But we've legitimately had conversations with people who, like, that – there there are women here at After Buzz TV sure, who that sure. was their favorite part and they loved that. And I'm like, all right, look, that's why it's in there because some people are going to love it. But at the same time, there are those of us who felt like, oh, really – and uh, yeah, I mean that. I think uh, Zia is a great host for a variety of reasons, but uh, you know she she does uh, you know she doesn't subscribe to the fact that like oh there's all these women together it must be great. Uh, so it it definitely helps us to have conversations that maybe we're not entitled to have as as men. You know, not in 2019 yeah. anyway. Right, but right. Uh, yeah, uh, but. The fascinating point that I get from Jason Blair is uh, he points out, as a lawyer, the legal issues associated with half of the world coming back to life five years later is staggering. Some people probably remarried. Is it statutory rape if you're now 21 and your reincarnated girlfriend (laughs) is 21 on paper, but biologically still 16? But the thing that really, I, when he sent it to me, I was just like, oh, this is this is amazing. Were life insurance policies that were paid five years ago, now do they have to be refunded? And, you know, I think I got these texts when I was right after I'd seen the movie with you because you and I talked about it a little bit. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, when half the population dies, and look, not everybody has life insurance policies, but there's plenty of them. I'm going to think that those institutions probably all went broke because they couldn't pay out the amount of, you know, and obviously you're going to get uh, government intervention, you know, to try and help, you know, help people who have lost. Maybe maybe the uh, the people that were lost in the family were the, the, uh, the prime breadwinner. Sure. And then what about kids who are left orphaned because both of their parents were snapped and they weren't? You know, where do you put them? They have to go into foster housing and all that. So – I, it's so funny because it's not the level in which I was thinking about it when I was watching the movie any of the three times. But then I've thought a lot about it afterwards. It's just like, sure. you know, it, you yeah, just the amount of sort of a financial considerations that the government would need to take in at this point, uh, you know, to, to first of all deal with half the population uh, being gone. But then when they come back, it's like, oh, forget it. You know, it's uh, it, it, look, only a lawyer is going to think like that. Right, Jeff? Yeah. And I don't think uh, it'll be interesting to see if uh, the Spider-Man movie Far From Home addresses any of this. I'm, I'm sure they won't get into that level of minutia, but there are going to be tons of repercussions for people suddenly showing back up on the planet again, you know, along those lines, um, you know, big and small. So, yeah, I'd be curious to see if how much they actually deal with that or not. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and look, a lot of I think what we're going to have to deal with going forward is just sort of like you're just going to have to give them the creative license for the fact that, wow, so all of the characters that we know from Peter's class, they were all yeah. snapped away and they've all been snapped back five years later so that right. they're all the same age. And I don't know. I mean, you could go for a joke thing that there's like one guy from the movie maybe who's like now five years older and he can buy them beer. Who knows? You know, right, there's, right. there's yeah. a lot of things you could do with it. But uh <laughs> Yes, and is five years later, twenty twenty four, or are we supposed to be you know, supposed to think that it's still twenty nineteen somehow? And yeah, then, well, that was the other thing that stuck me out of the movie. It was like, well, wait a minute, Robert Downey Jr. was supposed to be born in nineteen seventy. 
it's well, yeah, it's, you, you yeah. know, it's a sliding scale, which you know, as yeah. readers of comic books, when they've the titles have been around so long, there's always got to be some kind of sliding scale. You know, it's like the stories of the original X Men didn't actually take place in 1962. If you want right. to believe that, like Cyclops and Jean, when she happens to be alive, are still in their early 30s, you know, yeah. and. You know, I mean, one of the one of the characters that stayed like consistently on the younger end is Kitty Pride, but she was thirteen in nineteen seventy nine. You know, yeah, so she yeah. she's only a couple of years younger than me, and I think now she's probably about twenty five. You know, that's so right. yeah. but you know, and it's like it, 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 that's what happens when you you deal with these complex sort of things. I would assume that in the MCU right now it is like around twenty twenty four because when they were doing their various time travel jumps, they're going to like two thousand eleven, two thousand fourteen, and the Thanos who travels uh, ahead is from two thousand fourteen, and he's going to nine years in his future. You know, because when they when they go back to that's right, yeah. to uh, where Star Lord is, that's based that is 2014. So then you assume that that's 2023 uh, when he goes into the the then present day. You know, when uh, when when 2014 Nebula helps uh, 2014 Thanos, which is so funny when you have to put a year before a character uh, just to not confuse him with the present day version. It, well, you know what? It gets a little exhausting, but uh, yeah, yeah. you know. It's- to their credit, they actually handled. I mean, parts of the movie are, in, you know, very convoluted. But as long as you just kind of let it go and go along for the ride, it's it's pretty easy to follow, which I thought was impressive, considering it's a movie that deals with time travel. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, we've talked a lot about the time travel here on the Blackcast, but it, it, it you just have to kind of embrace that this is the story they're telling. That they are taking the time to give you logic for all these things. You just have to either buy into it. Or just, you know, sit there on your hands and be like, no, I'm sitting here under protest and I refuse to enjoy this film. So, uh, yeah. But so what do you think about where they go next? Obviously, we know the absolute next movie is going to be Spider-Man Far From Home. Are there characters or stories or anything in particular that you'd most like to see, you know, from the uh, the next installment of uh, MCU films? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. The one thing I was thinking about was, I don't know, like, is there going to be an Avengers from now on? Like, was this the end of the Avengers in a sense? Um, Because I know there was some discussion on previous episodes about who's going to be the new leader. I'm not sure that they're really setting it up for there to be more Avengers. Yeah, I mean, I think the Avengers, you know, it's sort of more like... It's almost like the the Mission Impossible force where I think there'll be Avengers movies, but they select characters that are best suited for uh for a specific mission so sometimes captain marvel's there sometimes she's not sometimes black panther's there sometimes he's not you know and i don't think that avengers movies will be very often and i don't think we'll get one for a few years but i I think it'll sort of be that sort of thing where i don't know that they'll have a compound anymore where any avengers actually live you know i sort of feel like black panther has to be the leader like he seems to have the most leadership qualities sure just kind of like cap yeah, I mean, well, he's a king, so it would make sense that you know he's the one who's most experienced as a leader. But it's true by by losing both Steve and Tony, you've you've lost the the two people with the most uh, leadership qualities. You know, right. from but the original people who are left from the team. I'm not sure that this face of P- Professor Hulk's kind of creepy. Yeah, <laughs> Hawkeye seems like he's kind of dialed out at this point. He's yeah. done maybe, um, unless he's going to be like a like behind a desk kind of role. 
Yeah, I mean, Hawkeye, Hawkeye was the leader of West Coast Avengers uh, for That's a long true. time. Yes. So, you know, he certainly he certainly could have that kind of role. I mean, it was kind of interesting that during the five years that we skip, it really feels like day-to-day operations, uh, Black Widow took over. And yeah. she was yeah. really the one that was uh, kind of running things. So, uh, I don't know. Well, I, think, I think we'll get like a rather sizable announcement, uh, you yes. know, tied into, I guess, San Diego Comic-Con. But I'm surprised – that they're not saving it for D23. I don't know when that is. But you figure Disney likes to keep their stuff to themselves, but maybe they want to make the big splash and have it at, at San Diego Comic-Con. But, uh, you know, it, it's – they've really – I think Kevin Feige actually said is like after Far From Home is released, that's when you're going to get the next crop of, uh, uh, you know, of – we are going to get the announcement. Because we get – we have two MCU movies next year. And New Mutants is on the schedule, but that's moved so many times. Like, I'll believe it when I actually sit down to see that movie. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, I mean, I think the very least we should start to know what those are. You know, it would make sense if it's the uh, Black Widow movie, but it could be uh, it could be really be any number of things. So, yeah, I think they're largely I mean, obviously they have Spider-Man films, another Black Panther, a Doctor Strange, too. Um, as far as like the core characters, I think they're largely going to move on and introduce some new stuff. I mean, uh, if Thor's in Guardians three, that'd be awesome. Like, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, I think I think that it, it, it. I think people won't be too happy with that movie if they if Thor's yeah. not there, and then they have to explain like, oh yeah, no, no, he got off the ship because. Look, he doesn't have to be around after that, but I think we we're all like looking for that one adventure of Thor, yeah. you know, for the as Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I know I'll be disappointed if he's not in it. So uh, I definitely look forward to uh, hopefully that, and who knows what else. But uh, that's kind of the I fun. Would, I would love to see a Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel. I think that'd be yeah. pretty cool, and they could do that. I can see them doing that. You could see that, yeah. Well, you actually haven't seen Captain Marvel yet because uh, I have, and I totally, you know what? It totally worked without yeah. having. Yeah, and it's funny because enough, and, okay, it was set in the nineties, and she's been gone for several years, yeah. and here we go. As you and I are talking, it's uh, actually it was released digitally today, I believe. So, uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so now now you can. Uh, there'll That's be a funny. Blu-ray out there, and uh, I think that uh, you know the film's a little uneven, and there are some people who are very unhappy with it. But I think there are some things that you'll really enjoy seeing, and uh, I do hope that we do get a uh, you know a Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel uh, at some point, uh, you know, in some of these uh, future films, but. Uh, that's the beauty. We just uh, we'll just sit back and uh, try and find more about it. But if we want to find more about you, Jeff, uh, obviously you're at Jeff Winstead on Twitter, and uh, yes. you get dragged into preposterous conversations with myself and Will, Jeff One, Jeff Prime, and uh, also our friend Rob Lorich. You know, you kind of you kind of get dragged into a lot of different uh, a lot of different stuff. So I think if people follow the Blackcast, they should follow you. That's, I, I like that idea. That sounds good. And uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, your comic series, The Alternate, is available on Comixology. There are five issues right now, correct? There are five issues. There will be a fifth issue this year or a sixth issue. A sixth issue this year. Okay. We're chugging along slowly, but it's been a busy time. We're, 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 we're still doing it. 
Well, that's a good thing, too, is because one of the main reasons why you haven't had the sixth issue come out is because you're um, much too busy working in your day job. So, you know, better better to, <laughs> better to have the day job keeping you busy than like, yeah, I did uh, 20 issues of the alternate this year because I didn't have anything else, you know. So it's sort of like having 330 black casts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And, uh, well, Jeff, we always appreciate you uh, taking the time to be on the black cast and uh we'll uh, we'll have to figure out the next time to to have you join us uh as i've been talking to you for a while uh you were kind enough to give me an actual uh physical trade paperback of crisis on infinite earth something that i've always wanted to read so we'll do a uh we'll do a conversation about that sometime this summer i'll give you a heads up you can do a reread and i'll uh, loan it to jeff prime and i assume that will has read it at some point but you know what i'm not 100 percent sure that he has i would assume so or i will have to revoke his dc fan card if he hasn't but just you got to think about you know I mean, he, he wasn't born for like several years after that came out so yeah no excuse but it's no true excuse. i mean look i've uh, i've i've read uh, i don't know the first hundred issues of amazing spider-man and they were uh, yes. all well before in my lifetime well we'll That's have right. to we'll have to find out about that in the future and if you want to keep in touch with the black cast in the future uh we will be back next week we will not be talking about avengers endgame uh i know that there are people who maybe haven't seen the movie, maybe don't even care about the movie. So maybe you've uh, checked out in the black cast for a little while, but uh, we'll hopefully bring everybody back in the fold before we then do our dark Phoenix issue uh, episode, probably the week after. But if you want to keep in touch with the black cast, we're on Twitter at Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, the black cast on Facebook. Go ahead and give us the like, the thumbs up. And of course, blackcast.com b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t.com and if you listen to the blackcast on itunes or apple podcasts just take a minute give us one of those five star reviews and leave a comment give us your rating and an explanation that helps people find the show i don't know exactly how you find this show if you're looking for it but getting five stars and comments makes us move higher up on the list and last time i checked i think we had like three comments over the course of uh what seven years so uh we would we would welcome comments you know, even from people who are on the black cast, just saying, hint, hint, Jeff Winstead. You're too accessible, Christian. This is the problem. You're too personally accessible. That's true. I know. You're not forcing people to the comment section. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, they just they just direct message me and then I write back within uh, usually a few minutes. Uh, anyway, so uh, thank you to all of our guests. We had, of course, we had Jeff Winstead. We had Christopher, Christian Toto. I almost called him Christopher Toto. He has the same name as me, and I almost got his name wrong. Uh, Christian Toto and, of course, Jennifer Yard. And all the guests that we've had throughout the course of uh, these black casts, uh, of course, Rob Lorch last week, and Jeff, and Will, and Zia, and me, Christian Blatt on Twitter and Instagram, at Christian DMZ. That's all for this week and all for this month. But we will see you next month on the Blackcast. Cast. 